Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Today we're concluding our Back to Life series. This series has been really, it came to our heart. I shared with you guys last week from a conversation that I had, Alini and I had. Uh, and, and, and involved a season that she went through during the end and the, uh, of the pregnancy and the, the postpartum uh, few weeks. It was a really hard time uh, for her personally. But we, we were talking about how seasons like that can, can just affect you in such a way that it's almost like it, gets, it, it takes the wind out of you, right? It knocks the wind out of you. And so we've been talking about how to come back to life. And the first week we talked about surrender. Second week we talked about having a mind reset. Last week, Alini shared a brilliant message and shared her story talking about having a childlike f- faith. And today I want to I bring us to a different perspective from this series because it has mostly been introspective. It has mostly been assessment and asking God for help and and looking at things differently, but internally. And today, I, wanna, I want us to turn our, our, our eyes and our vision outwardly. So I'm titling the message, Look Around. Look around if you're taking notes. And we're concluding this series. And this is, this is I'm going to talk about an element in your life that can make you, it can break you, or it can keep you right where you are. And those are the only three things that could happen, right? But it could put a, ceil- a ceiling in your life and keep you right where you are. And that is the people around you. The people around you. Jesus taught the following uh, when he was teaching the Sermon on the Mount to his disciples and his followers. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through, f- through 6. Uh, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. How many of you have heard this passage? How many of you have quoted this passage? To your kids and to your friends, and <laughs> judge not that you be not judged. And he continues, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out? Out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. Loving words of Jesus. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And then he says, do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before the pigs, before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Wow. This is one of Jesus' teachings that is often quoted. And I've heard this being quoted by Christians and by non-Christians. People know the judge not part. They know the, the, hey, you shouldn't judge But just as often as it's quoted, it's misquoted because it's used as a some kind of holy, divine, you know, 
a be quiet, a shut up type of reply. But it has the authority of religious undertone because it came from Jesus, so it sounds even stronger. Basically, the common interpretation is Jesus said we should not judge others. But that's not really what Jesus is saying. Not completely. See, we tend to judge others not by our behavior. We tend to judge others not by our track record. We judge others by our standards. We have a, a, a standard, a desired standard that we wish we could uphold all the time. And we judge others by that standard. But most of us do not uphold even our own standards all the time, let alone God's standards. So this is not a teaching about telling other people to stop judging, or even you yourself. This is a teaching about integrity. This is a teaching about hypocrisy. In other words, Jesus is saying, how can you judge a family member because of their spending habits, when your own finances are a bit of a mess? How can you judge someone and tell somebody else how to date when you haven't made a commitment at all? How can you go to somebody and tell them to have self-control when every time you're alone, you give in to temptation? So Jesus is saying, hey, don't be a log-eyed speck inspector. And the world is full of log-eyed speck inspectors. People who are looking for specks on other people's faces, eyes. See, being a young leader and, and having led for so long, being involved with people, I've had to deal with my share of uh, log-eyed speck, speck inspectors, <laughs> this type of judgment. And back in the old country, we used to call them finished project engineers. You know what a finished project engineer is? Is the expert builder who has never built anything. But as soon as you're done building something, they'll come and tell you all the things that you did wrong and everything that you should fix. It's the, it's the expert musician who doesn't know a song. The songwriter has never written a song. But when you are playing your song, it's not perfect. They'll say, hmm, no, not good. Here's all the reasons why they're wrong. See, Jesus is saying, stop judging other people without having any empathy. You don't have any empathy for them. When you, you're still dealing with your own mess. You're still going through your own process. So get a clear vision first. Take care of your own mess first. Get your own mind and your own judgment right first. Then you will consider their position with empathy. You'll consider their position with love. And you'll consider their position with grace. Empathy because you know it could have been you. Empathy because you know that that, what they're going through, the decisions they made, you could have made the same decision if you were in their position. Love because you want them to get better. 
Because you've gone through your process of healing. You've come out of the darkness that you've been in. And so you wish, you desire the same for your friends. You desire the same for your loved ones. You desire the same for your coworkers. So you don't use judgment to expose the pain. You don't use judgment to say, hey, you're, you're, you're messing up, man. You approach it with love and saying, there's a better way. And grace, because you know, you know that you only stand where you are and you're only successful in the areas that you're successful in by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God. Then you can judge people. But you judge people without condemning them. In other words, you judge in a way that it will actually help. You judge in a way that it will lift them up. Because you're judging the speck. You're judging the situation. And you know that they are not their sin. That they are not their shortcomings. You separate the problem from the person. And your desire is to save the person from peril. See, because this is what Jesus says in the next verse. Because it's almost as though Jesus is sharing a paradoxical, contradictory statement here. Because on the same statement that he says, don't judge other people, he says, hey, watch out for the dogs. Jesus, it sounds to me like you're calling people dogs. So how can I, how, how can I follow both? Well, this is what he's saying. You've got to get yourself right first, and then you'll be able to assess. See, when Jesus says, do not give dogs what is holy and don't throw pearls before the pigs, is he talking about actual dogs? Do we have to call Peter on Jesus? <laughs> no, I don't think he's talking about actual dogs. Who would throw jewelry before pigs? He's talking about people. People who will mishandle what is holy, what is sacred, what is valuable about you. He's saying, hey, once you have clarity of vision, once you, you, you have uh, uh, taken care of some of the things that are impeding the way you see things, I want you to use your judgment to choose wisely. Choose who you're going to open your heart to. Choose who you're going to share your life with. Choose who you're going to let in your heart. Choose who you're going to be vulnerable with. Who you're going to allow into the parts of your life that can determine your future. Notice how Jesus is not telling you to mistreat them. He's not telling you to, to be, uh, uh, despise them, to be, you know, bad to them. He's saying that sometimes you must be selective so that you will not waste what is holy and what is precious on relationships that will end up devouring you. You ought to be selective, Right? There's so much more here in this passage that you can meditate, you can study. I encourage you to go home, Matthew 7, read it this week, think about it. Because the words of Jesus are powerful and they are a principle that can guide you to better relationships. But I wanted to start my message here because I want to share three things with you to look around for that can help you bring you back to life. Relationships are an important part when we're looking to see some of those things that are dormant come back to life. And I wanted to start here because the immediate reaction when I share these three things might be harsh judgment toward others. 
And I don't want you to have this immediate reaction because just as you are working through things, your friends and your coworkers and the people around you are dealing with some stuff and hopefully they're working through them too. But the point is that we're all a work in progress. So this message is not judgment against your friends. This message is assessment, okay? Assessment of what kind of effect those who surround you can have on you. See, we're called to love everybody. And that's right. We ought to love everybody. But proximity matters. It matters who's close to you. And some people you have to love from a distance. From really, really far away. You love them way over there. <laughs> Here are the three things to look for that can help you bring your life back to life. Number one, look for what connects you. In other words, what actually fuels this relationship? What is the thing that, is, that brings you together? See, some people will connect to you because of your misery. They will connect to you because of your pain. Some people will come into your life and navigate the harder season of your life with you and be with you in your darkest hour because you are in your darkest hour. Because that's what they connect to. And I tell you, it feels good, good not to be alone in your mess. It's true. We need somebody in our mess with us. But there are different kinds of people that can join us in our mess. See, it feels good to know that there's somebody out there in the world who's just as crazy, just as wild, just as broken as you. But here's the problem. Some people don't really connect to the healthy you. They can't connect to the healthy you. So they'll be your friend as long as you're using They'll be your friend as long as you're drinking. They'll be your friend as long as you're having money problems, as long as you're wasteful. They'll be your friend as long as you got issues at home, as long as you're complaining about your spouse, or you're complaining about your family members, or you're fighting with your parents. They'll be your friend. They'll be your friend as long as you're sleeping around. But the moment you find an opportunity for healing, as soon as you turn toward health, they can't walk that path with you. They're just not facing the same direction anymore. Now, why is that? That's because they never connected to the real you. They never connected to the, the personhood that God designed you to be. They connected to your misery. They connected to your shortcomings. To your sin. Now, I'm not saying that they are bad people. What I'm saying is that sometimes we don't see around you what we all know to be true. That misery loves company. But if you want healing, sometimes you have to break away from the pack. You might need to be, for a season, a one-man wolf pack. Or a one-woman wolf pack. I was trying to find a feminine word for wolf, but she-wolf. Thank you. <laughs> Ten lepers story. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, 
And on the way to Jerusalem, he was met by 10 lepers. These guys were all hanging out together because in those days, there was no cure. There was no treatment for leprosy. And leprosy was a serious condition that could bring you down. It could kill you. So they were basically sentenced to be outcasts and to be in permanent lockdown. If you think 14-day quarantine was bad, these guys were quarantining for life. And they were considered unclean, meaning nobody who didn't have their disease was allowed to be close to them, and they were not allowed to go into public spaces where other people congregate. So they were on the outskirts of the city, the outskirts of society, marginalized, and definitely way more than six feet apart from any normal person. And they see Jesus, and so from a distance, from the appropriate distance, they cry out and they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus looked at them, and he, he felt compassion, and he told them, Go show yourselves to the priest. See, this is important because the priest at that time was the authority in their society that was able to examine you and, this, and say, okay, you're no longer unclean. You're clean. Welcome into the status of normal person. Welcome into the society. Welcome into life as it should be. You're no longer an outcast. Welcome to, to our society. Regain your status. And Luke writes in his gospel that as they walked toward the priest, they were cleansed. They were healed. And he writes the following, verse 15 in chapter 17. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. So Luke made a point to say that he didn't grow up like the others. He, he experienced this differently because he wasn't part of the Jewish tradition. But beyond that, he was connected to these 10 people. I don't know for how long, but certainly for a long time. And they had something in common. They were probably friends. They probably shared family stories. They probably laughed together, cried together. And I imagine that walking to the priest, there was just, man, this is, we're, gonna, we're about to experience something amazing together. I don't know what's going to happen, but the master told us to walk to the priest and maybe, maybe the priest is going to pray for us. And then as they were walking, I imagine they started feeling, oh, wait, our skin doesn't hurt so much. Wait a minute, we can, we can walk a little bit faster. We don't have to walk like zombies anymore. We can walk normally. And then they probably noticed, oh, look at our hands. And then this one guy realized, wait a minute. Why am I going to the priest who didn't have power to heal me? All he can do is reinstate my status. Why am I going after status when the healer is behind me? Why am I turning my back on the person who brought me back to life? Why am I walking away from the one who saved me from death? I ought to go back. I got to give him praise. I got to show him my gratitude. That's the right thing to do. And in that moment, he had a choice. Am I going to continue with this relationship and be part of this friendship? 
Or am I going to break away and do what I know to be the right thing to do? None of them came with him. None of them received his revelation. None of them received what he knew to be the right thing to do. And so here, he discovered that what connected them was not the healed part of them, but it was the disease. And once the disease is no longer there, they didn't see eye to eye. Do you, do you want to walk towards status or stay with the crowd? And stay with the crowd? Or do you want to walk toward healing and break away? Sometimes we'll have to make that choice. Sometimes we'll have to choose between the connection that we have with people who only connect to the bad part of us. See, you probably have experienced this. Somebody that you connect to, that, that, that maybe you work together or a family member, and they always have something to complain about. And when you were in your season of complaining, that's the person you call. You're not going to believe what I just heard. You're not going to believe what just happened. But then something on the inside of you is like, that's not, that's not adding life to me. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't, want, I don't want to be a complainer. I want to see things on a positive light. And then you call that person and they start complaining and something on the inside tells you, don't do it. Don't do it. But you know that if you don't complain, you have nothing to talk about. So you go like, yeah, I know the economy, right? Yeah, gas prices, right? It's horrible. But on the inside, you're like, I, I shouldn't be complaining right now. It's not doing me any good. At that moment, it's when you realize that's all we talk about. All we do is complain. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because maybe that person is sitting right next to you. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But this happens to all of us. Sometimes we need to break away and say, hey, listen, I don't want to complain anymore, man. I know things might be bad, but here's, let me tell you what's good. Let me tell you about... Uh, the good part and what's happening. Number two, look for where you are headed. This is so important too. Jesus was te teaching at a house in one occasion, and the place was packed, packed with people listening and learning from Jesus. And uh, they were they were so many people that you couldn't get through to Jesus. Now, the scripture says that. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. And in that town, there was a man who was a paralytic, couldn't move. And so his friends did something. They put him on a stretcher and they carried him all the way to the house because they heard that Jesus was at the house. They carried him all the way where Jesus was. And this is what Luke, Luke writes. Luke chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. But finding no way to bring him in, they have their friends on a stretcher. They're carrying him in. Because of the crowd, they went up to the roof. You know, in, the, in, in, in that society, mostly every house had, had a terrace. And you could walk on it. And the way they built it, you could, you could do that. They went up on the roof. And they let him down with his bed through the tiles. They basically demolished the guy's roof. They got them down through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the man was healed. See, God will bring people in your life 
who can see what you can't see. God will bring people in your life that they have, they have a better perspective. People who can see things in a different way. Maybe they can't solve your problem, but they know someone who can. Maybe they can't fix your issues themselves, but they see your potential. They see past your mistakes. They see past your shortcomings. And they have the faith to see you whole. In other words, they connect to the healthy you. They know who God made you to be. They speak faith into you. And they can believe for you even when you don't believe for yourself. These are people who have godly vision. People who have godly faith. And I want to encourage you today to surround yourself with a few friends who are willing to tear up some roofs on your behalf. A few friends who are willing to break the mold, who have the ability to do it, to get you where you need to be. People who dare to believe, people who will put their lives on the line for you. People who will see what no one sees, people who will encourage you. See, these are the people who will give you your first break. These are the people who will believe God for your life, who will pray with you, pray for you. These are people who will believe enough that they will get tired with you. They're willing to get tired, to work hard, to see you well. Those are the people who see you and love you with the love of God. And God has people like that to bring into your life. Listen, if you don't have people like that in your corner, you just met them. They're around you right now. You have found some. This church is full of people who are just like that. People who will lift you up when you're weak. People who will cover your faults and forgive your sins and see you through God's eyes. People who will walk through the valley with you. Who will walk through the mess with you. Who will be with you because they know that you are not your sin. And as your pastor, let me tell you this. We don't really care where you've been. We care about you. But you don't, we don't care where you've been. We don't care how broken, how bruised, how affected you might have been by life. We don't care what, what, the baggage that you bring along with you. This is what we care about. We care about where you're going. We care about God's plan for your life. We care about what God has placed in you and how can we make sure that nothing keeps you from God's plan for your life so maybe you're here today and you face some paralysis in some part of your life like this man there are certain areas in your life that are not moving and you wish they were moving but you can do you can't do anything about it and it, this is one of those moments where you need somebody else to help you get to the place emotionally mentally and sometimes even physically Maybe your heart has been broken. Maybe you, you face bankruptcy and you don't know what to do about it. Maybe your career was a bust. And now you don't know what to do about your life. And maybe you had people in your life who were only interested in you because of what you represented. They were only interested in you as long as you had something to offer. And when that part of your life met its end, so did the friendships. 
Yeah, I believe God is about to change all that in your life. Let me encourage you to get some godly people in your circle. People who will speak life into your situation. People who will say, listen, you might not see a way because you're stretched down in this bed, but I can see above the crowd. And I can see that the solution is near us. I can see past the noise. And I can see Jesus in your life. I can see him healing you. I can see him restoring you. I can see him changing your situation. Yes, you can. You can dream again. You can love again. You can live again. You can breathe again. God has faith and power to instill in you. Yes, he can lift you up once more. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's incarnate because I'm with you. And God can do what man cannot do. God has people like that to be around us. And finally, the third thing I want to encourage you with today. And I've said this here before, and I'm going to see it again. Number three is look for the presence of God around you. Look for the presence of God. Psalm chapter 25th, verse 14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. I could have David back up on the, the keys. See, as long as you're lacking God's friendship, you're always going to have a void in your heart. You're going to feel that void. I want to encourage you to let God be your center. Let God be the center of your decision-making, let God be the center of how you approach friendships. Let God be the center of your marriage. Let God be your source. Let God be your closest friend. Trust Him. Can you see the evidence of God and how you relate to others? Can you see the evidence of God's life in you, even flowing through you or present? In your relationships, I'm not saying that every single one of your friends has to be a Christian fired up for God. But are you open about it in your own life? Are you shining God's light? Or are you hiding the light under a bushel, as Jesus said? When you see God move in your friend's life, even though they might not be aware that that was the hand of God, do you point it out and say, hey, Look at the goodness of God in your life, my friend. Look, look at how God has been good to you. Here's a problem I, I have with people who try to do this without God. Because you can try to listen to my message and extract the God portion out of it and go and try to apply it as a psychological principle or a principle of positivity or a code of living and kind of like put the God thing on the side. The problem is that if God is not the center, something else will be the center. And if God is not the center, what's going to be the center in your life? I mean, it could be someone else. It could be that you will put somebody else in the center. It sounds nice. It sounds selfless, JD. It's my wife. It's my kids. It's my parents. It's my brother. It's my best friend. That person is in the center. But let me tell you, no one, this is my sound controversial, 
but it's okay because it's true. No one can love unconditionally. No one. You can love with your whole heart, but your love has a limit. No one can love unconditionally. And there will come a point when that relationship, that person, will not meet your expectations. Your heart, your motivation, your devotion, your purpose, they can't satisfy all that. It's too much weight to put on that person. That doesn't work. Not for, a long, not for, for the long haul. And some of you have experienced that. So it could be your purpose, right? Okay, JD, it's not a person. My purpose is the center. What I do, what I'm called to do, that's what I devote my life to, my career, my cause. That's at the center. But the problem is that you will sacrifice so many of the other things. And then in the end, you will look for the benefit for all that you have sacrificed. And you'll try to extract from that thing the virtues, the meaning that you want out of life, and it cannot provide you with it. So eventually, that will also fail. You might have a fat bank account at the end, but your heart will be empty. So you can say, JD, it'll be me. Myself. Number one. I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to put myself in the center. And this is a popular one these days. Very popular one. But here's the problem. If you put yourself in the center, loving others becomes self-love. Caring for others becomes self-care. And everything you do with others, in your mind, you will think, how is this going to benefit me? How is this going to be good for me? You have your best interests at heart first. And can you tell one single person who has been a great partner in marriage, business, or family life who has lived by this principle? I mean, you might think that it works for you, but would you want to be friends with somebody like that? Would you want to have a business with somebody like that? Would you want to work for somebody like that? Would you want somebody, that, somebody like that to be your employee? Somebody who only focuses on themselves? Would you want to be married to someone like that? See, the thing is that we are flawed. You are flawed. I'm flawed. We are all flawed. And we don't know the future. We need God. And when God is at the center of your life, everything else falls into place. See, this is what happens when your God is at the center of your life. Your spouse, the person you've vowed your life for, to live forever with, they are free to be your spouse. They are free. There's no pressure on them to be your God, to be your all. They are free to be your spouse. They can just be. Your friends... They are free to be your friends. They don't have to be in your beck and call all the time. They're not your everything. They are your friends. It's amazing to have great friends, but they are just your friends, and that gives them freedom. Your career, your purpose, it doesn't define you. So you're not afraid to take risks when God is at the center. You're not afraid to walk away when you're supposed to walk away when God is at the center because your career doesn't make you. And you... 
Well, you will find an amazing amount of freedom and you will find out that the world is way bigger than you. Because if all you focus is yourself, guess what? That's your world. And that's a small world. That's a world of anxiety, of depression. It's a world of you're just, you're your whole world. But when God is at the center, you realize the world is much bigger. Yeah, you may have some stuff to work through. Sure, you have wants. Sure, you have needs. Sure, you have trauma. Guess what? We all have trauma. We all have things we've, we've dealt with and we're still dealing with. So maybe the thing that you're so concerned about, you can find purpose in it. Because as God is dealing with you, you can help somebody else. You can give somebody else hope. You can bring the light to someone else. When God is at the center, let him be your friend. You might say, well, J.D., I'm not sure about this God thing, though. I'm not sure about being even a friend of God. That's, that sounds weird to me. Let me ask you, have you given it a chance? Have you given it a chance or are you immediately shutting it down? Do you have an open mind about it? Or are you consumed by other people's convictions, things that you have heard from somebody else, but you have not experienced it yourself? See, some people, they can only see two dimensions. And the world is filled with two-dimensional geniuses. People who are very smart, very intelligent. But they will prove to you that the world is a flat canvas. They miss the vision and the ability to see that third dimension. And what I'm talking about, obviously, is your spirituality. It's your life with God. You can talk about emotions in the material world. But if you miss the third part, which is God, you're missing the essence of life, the deepest part of you. And there are a lot of people who will deny it. They'll deny it. And they'll probably deny it with property. But what I invite, I'm inviting you to do today is to take a step toward experiencing God. There are so many people who can witness that to you. But only you can take a step toward being a friend of God. Let me encourage you to do that today because friendship with God will change your life completely. But let me encourage you to do these three things. Practice these three things. You know, look for what connects you to other people. Look to where you're headed. And can you see God's presence in your life? And if you have these three things, I believe you will be in a great position to come back to life. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. 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 It's good to have you here. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.